Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Well, praise the Lord. Are you ready to get into the message this morning? just want to welcome everybody online. Just thank you for being here in attendance. We have been continuing our series simply called Heart for the House. Heart for the House. And God has a heart for your house. He desires for your house to succeed. He desires for your house to thrive and flourish. And also God desires for His house to thrive and flourish. He desires for your house to increase and expand. And He desires for His house to to increase and expand, right? And so once again, we said this, that our house ought to be a reflection of God's house. God's house ought to be a reflection of your house. So in other words, you could say it this way, that if I was to come over to your house, we ought to be able to have church. Did you hear what I said? If I invite you over, in fact, inevitably, if there's ever anybody that comes over to my house, whether it's leadership or something of that nature, if we have a fellowship or something, inevitably, we have fun, we have food, but there's always a time where church happens, where we start talking about Jesus, where God shows up, and where ministry begins to happen. Why? Because in my house, it's not relegated to just a Sunday morning. We have church at our house any time that we come together, right? Does that make sense? And so once again, our house ought to be a reflection of God's house, and God wants us to increase. Well, if you recall last week, and if you didn't uh, hear the message, you can go online and you can listen to it. But we talked about that God is El Shaddai. That's one of the names of, of God, one of his redemptive names. And El Shaddai simply means that he is the God of more than enough. He's the too much kind of God. So in other words, if you're experiencing lack in your life, then just invite El Shaddai to be a part of your life, and more than enough shows up. A too much God shows up because that's who he is. Amen? Now, I don't know about you in terms of your parenting skills or your parenting tolerances, but one of the things that I discovered about myself as I started having kids is that I was just not very uh, giving. I wasn't real sharing. And it always made me feel bad because I remember my dad was always generous with me. Uh, you know, if there was a dad like Snickers candy bar. And if, if there was a Snickers candy bar, uh, a dad, can I have a bite of your candy bar? Well, dad, he would take a bite off of it and he'd give me the rest of it. And he was always very giving or generous in giving me his goodies. If there was, you know, remember back in the days when there was the Coke bottle and it was made out of glass? 
you know, it, Dad would be swigging on the, the, the Coke, and I said, Dad, can I have a drink? Well, Dad would take one, because he didn't want no backwash stuff, you know, so he'd take one last drink, and he would give it to me, and I would have the rest of the Coke. Well, then as I started having kids, I started thinking, I don't want to give you my candy bar. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give you my Coke. That's mine. I got it for me. That's why I have it, because I want to eat it, right? And I started to kind of feel like, why am I so, so stingy? You know what I mean? Well, then as I started to get older, I think the tolerance of being a dad kind of started to grow, or I guess my generosity began to grow, because then you finally get to a place, well, whatever, yeah, go ahead. You know, I live to serve you, son or daughter, or whatever the case is, Right? And so, again, you just begin to grow in your area of, of increase. Well, one of the things that I've discovered that as I have been the example for my kids, my kids tend to be very generous. And uh, my, my children, they uh, did a birthday party. The girls, they went on this birthday party. They went up in Frankenmuth. And uh, while they're up in Frankenmuth, they came back. I think one of the, the, the mom had bought some gummies uh, and said, go, go back and give them to Carson. You know, just, you know, love on him, bless him. Well, one of the things that I like is I like fruity candy. And I like gummies. And I also like the Sour Patch kind of gummies. And I like blue raspberry. And so when they came back and they had this big container of blue raspberry, super sour gummies. And I'm like, hey, bud, come here, man. And so he was like, Dad, these are mine. And then he would give me some. And then I just kept on eating them and eating them and eating them. And finally, there was just a little bit left. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to take my son up there to get him some more because I'm, I'm eating all the rest of these. I'm sorry. I just, uh, no self-control right now. I'm just being honest with you. I'm eating them. All right. And so I ate all of his gummies. Well, here's the thing. My son didn't care. He didn't care. He just graciously gave them to me. But one of the things that he's learned about his dad is that his dad is generous with him. My kids, well, not all my kids. Some of my kids say, well, dad, sometimes you're not so much so. Anyways, for the sake of illustration, don't say anything to the contrary, okay? <laughs> so anyways... Uh, my wife, she was out of town. Where did she go? I can't remember. She was out of town, uh, and where did she? Oh, you went to Oklahoma. And so I had the kids, and so I had to figure out something to do. And so I said, well, hey, let's go up to Frankenmuth. So we drove up to Frankenmuth, and I said, okay, son, when we go up to Frankenmuth, I'll replenish your gummies. And so we ended up getting more than just the one container of gummies. I think we got three of them. And so my point is this is that my son has come to the place of knowing that he can be generous and he can be generous with his dad because he knows that dad is not going to leave him high and dry. And I'm not as good as El Shaddai, our heavenly father, but my son has come, into the, has come to the place of knowing that if dad says he'll reimburse it, if God will replenish the supply, my dad will do it. Amen? And so once again, that's the kind of God that we serve. That God just loves to bless us and increase us and help us. Why? Because he has a heart for our house. I said he has a heart for your house. But all as well, he has a heart for his house. 
So isn't it interesting that we have nice houses? In fact, there's a scripture that says this. You live in nice homes and big houses, but yet the house of God has fallen apart. But what's God say? He says, I'm El Shaddai. He says, the way that I'm going to take care of the the, the church or the house of God is I'm going to take care of your house so that you can take care of my house. Amen? Now, this would be a good message just to make a whole lot of noise. It's like, amen, preach it, pastor. Praise the Lord. (laughs) There you go. Amen. Well, you know, we had this uh, crusade just this past week with Franklin Graham. And it's very easy to uh, begin to calculate the cost. It conservatively probably cost them at least a million dollars. I mean, they rented out the whole Crossroad Villages. They brought in the newsboys and other uh, musical guests. They gave away T-shirts. I mean, you could go up to the booth and you could tell them how many T-shirts that you want. My wife and I, we got a couple for ourselves. We got some for our our, our kids. Uh, Again, they were just giving stuff away. And so everything that they did, they never charged nothing. All the airtime that was on radio, all the billboards and all the literature that they sent out, not to mention all the books and the Bibles and the pens and everything else in between uh, that was to put on this meeting for people receiving Jesus. And never did they say, hey, we're going to take up an offering. Amen? Now, again, I'm not saying that's the way that church operates my point is this is that people have supported that ministry to the point where he don't have to take up an offering during the service because it's all about building the kingdom of God so in other words the house was already provided for so that when people come together the house was provided for amen and so once again I want to encourage you just as God begins to stir a heart for the house he's gonna stir up a generosity or a heart of generosity within his people. I want to draw your attention to Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. And I shared this with a group of people. I think it was on a Wednesday night. And I said, this particular passage of Scripture became a reality to me or became a greater reality to me during our time of prayer and fasting. Remember, we had our time of prayer and fasting just a few weeks ago. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. It says, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Everybody say one heart. One One soul. soul. It says, neither did any say that any of the things that they possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. uh, And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them that lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of things that, that, that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Now, there's several things there that I want to bring to your attention, but that scripture where it says that no one had any lack in everything that they had, they were willing to give. Now, I said that that verse became a reality or a greater revelation to me during the time of prayer and fasting. And this is why. Because as we continue to press in and pursue God, the more that I pressed in to serve Him, to love Him, to know Him, the things of the natural became lesser or less visible. In other words, I had no desire for any natural possession, natural thing. All I wanted was more of Jesus. 
And that scripture always kind of bothered me a little bit when you talk about it in the context of church because, again, people hear that scripture and say, well, did you hear what it said? They said they just gave everything to the church. They gave it to the preachers, and, you know, that's what church is all about. But no, the Bible says that they had a heart to do it, but yet it says nobody lacked anything. Did you hear what I said? They were very generous and willing to give, but they lacked absolutely nothing. Amen. And then it says that they, gave, they sold their houses and their lands, and everybody begins to say, well, you know, I need to live in a house. Well, what makes you think that these people didn't have more than one house? I mean, we live with such a poverty mentality thinking, well, I just got to scrimp and save, and this is all I can have, and this is all I got to do, and I better hang on to it because I might lose it someday. But maybe they were so blessed that they had many parcels of land, many homes, many possessions, and therefore they could be generous to say, God, I'm willing to give it, and I still have more than enough. Amen. Do you believe that God is El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough? Well, he is because he has a heart for this house and he has a heart for your house. Amen. How many of you think that God expects you to live in a cardboard box? He doesn't. In fact, the Bible says this, that when you get to heaven, there's a mansion waiting for you and it's built to your specifications because God knows what you like. He says, in fact, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. So if there is a mansion waiting in heaven on a boulevard that is paved with gold, why in the world that do we think that God wants us to live less than here on this earth or just barely get by? No, God wants us to experience the best out of life. In fact, for that matter, God's kids ought to be living the best, to be an example to those that don't know Jesus. That was a good place to say amen. Amen. I said God wants us to live so well that it's a testimony of the goodness and the love of God. Amen. So let's break down that verse for for just a minute. When you have a heart for the house, there's a byproduct that comes as a result of having a heart for the house. We saw here that in regards to these individuals, they had a heart for the house of God or building the kingdom of God. They became very generous. Well, what happens in the body of Christ today? Well, for us as individuals, oftentimes people get afraid to give for the sake of the fear of lack. I'll say it again. People oftentimes are fearful to give because they're afraid that they'll experience lack in their life. But once again, let me bring to your attention, the scripture says that none of them lacked anything. I don't... Is that on? I said none of them lacked anything. So in other words, all their needs were met. Why? Because they were experiencing El Shaddai. God was taking care of his house and he was taking care of their house. There was no lack in their life. But also notice this. It says that because of their heart for the house, it says that there was great grace that was upon them. There was great grace that was upon them. One of the simplest definitions of grace is God's ability to do in you and for you what you can't do for yourself. So great grace or God's ability was made available and it says that great grace was upon them. Now, in regards to grace, I want to draw your attention to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. This is talking about receiving Christ or receiving Jesus as Lord. 
But notice the verbiage or how it states it. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Whenever you find grace, you will have an opportunity to use faith. So in other words, faith and grace are partners. Remember the scripture says that in Acts it says, great grace was upon them. In other words, God was giving them an empowerment to do something that they can't do in their natural strength or ability. And therefore, they had an occasion to exercise faith. Are you tracking with me? So in order to have a heart for the house, we're going to have to tap into the grace that is present. And as I tap into the grace or God's empowerment, now I have an opportunity to exercise or use my faith. They're partners, right? But any time that I step back and don't use my faith, then grace becomes stagnant and therefore faith cannot produce fruit. They have to be partners. They have to work together. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So when there is grace, grace always allows two actions. Number one, when grace is present, it allows there to be, number one, a release. Number two, there is a receive. When there's grace, there is a release and there is a receive. But once again, it will require faith. So if I again look back to the beginning of the first church, it says that they released what they had. I've got possessions. I'm going to be freely giving and generous. And therefore, because I release it by using my faith, grace allows me to receive the blessing of God. When I release it, the challenge or what the enemy wants to bring is, now there is going to be lack that comes. You just gave, and you gave a big chunk of money. So therefore, if you gave, if you released your your revenue, you're not going to have nothing. So get ready, because here comes lack. No, the Bible says that grace shows up, and there's no lack. Come on, somebody. When God shows up, El Shaddai comes knocking on your door. He brings a full supply because you have allowed him to exercise your faith and empower you with grace. Amen. Now, let me come back and bring your attention to Acts, that which we just read, starting in verse 32 once again. It says, Now, the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Remember, I had you repeat that. It says, though the multitude, those that came together, those believers were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that anything that was of his own possession was his own, but they had all things in common. And in great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. So when I have a heart for Jesus, when my heart is growing in my relationship with him, The byproduct begins to have a heart for the house. I said, when my heart's growing in Jesus, when my relationship is growing, 
I instinctively begin to have a heart for the house. It says that they were of one heart, one mind, and it says they had all things in common. What do you think a church would look like if when people came together and they were of one heart? What if people came together and they were of one mind? What if people came together and they had everything in common? Did you see that crowd at the crusade? 8,600 people together coming together to, to serve Jesus? That's what churches would begin to look like. People would begin to flock and come together. You would have to blow out walls. You would have to expand. You would have to have multiple services because of one heart, one mind, and everything in common. We would get so much accomplished for the kingdom of God. Amen. And people are just waiting to experience Jesus. I shared with you about the crusade that we had just this past Thursday night. There was two particular, I got, to, I, I, I got to pray with six different individuals. One individual was an older man, probably in his 70s. I went up to him and I said, man, there's all these people. And I said, here you are standing. I said, what caused you to stand? And with tears in his eyes, he couldn't even look me in the face and his chin was quivering. He says, just something on the inside. I said, I needed to stand. Didn't even know what it was, but I just, I had to stand. His name was Mark. I went over to another guy. He was in his 70s as well. His name was Roger. I said, Roger, what compelled you to stand in the sea of people? How come you stood up in the midst at the invitation? And he said the same thing. Something in me compelled me to stand. He says, my neighbor brought me. And he said, I came and I heard the gospel. And I couldn't help but stand up. Come on, if we're of one heart, one soul, one mind, everything in common with a common purpose, do you understand that your life would look differently? We're so distracted, aren't we? Moving here and moving there and being all caught up in the affairs of life. But do you understand that Jesus is coming soon? Very soon. And he's moving in this hour. And he's wanting a church that comes together that ha will have a heart for his house. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the people of God growing and expanding and increasing. I long for the day and that is exactly what God is doing. If you also remember, notice what it says this. It says that with great power... The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or in other words, they preached the gospel. When it comes to the church, what is the number one way that people grow in their walk with Jesus? Help me out. This is church 101. The number one way that people grow in their walk with Jesus is the preaching of the gospel. And so what happens when the church begins to grow? There's an expanse of the preaching of the gospel. Amen? Now hold that thought for just a minute. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Notice what it says here in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 46. This is in that day when the church took shape 
and was birthed. This was the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 46, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house. Remember I said, it's not just coming to a building. You are the house of God. So when you go home, there ought to be church happening. Because we're his house. It says that they went from house to house breaking bread. It says they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily to those who were being saved. So how is it that people are added to the church? It's by the preaching of the gospel. Amen? So listen. In order for the gospel to be preached in the house of God, you've got to be able to keep the doors open. You've got to have heat in the building. You've got to have lights in the building, right? You know, there's a lot of times I believe people to say, well, you know what? We'll just see if the church stands. Well, if the church closes the doors, well, we'll, just, we'll find another church. Right? Well, do you act that way when it comes to your house? Well, you know what? We'll, we'll just miss a couple payments here and... We'll just see what happens. Maybe they'll forgive it. No, you, you make sure that your house is taken care of, right? Why? Because there needs to be a house. There needs to be church at your house. It's hard to praise God in a cardboard box. You can still do it, but boy, it's a little bit more challenging when it's, you know, 30 degrees below zero, right? But when you're sitting by the fireplace, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hey, kids, come on. Let's have a Bible study right around the, the fireplace here, right? Why? Because we're taking care of business. But also notice this. It says that when they brought their increase, they brought it and laid it at the feet of the apostles. What are the apostles representative of? It's representative of the preachers, the ministry gifts, pastors, guest ministers, it says that they laid it at their feet. And then it says this, that the apostles distributed accordingly. Or in other words, they brought their gifts and says, we trust you, leadership. We trust you, ministers. We know that you'll do the right thing and you'll disperse it accordingly as is needed. Hello? Y'all out there? I, mean, I, I want to make sure this thing's working Right? Well, what ends up happening when it comes to the local church? Oftentimes, people are like, I wonder how the money's being spent. You know, I see that the pastor's driving a new car. I see that the kids are dressed well. They got the Nikes on. And, you know, just the wife, you know, it seems like she's got new jewelry. You know, she's always got her nails done, always got her hair done. I mean, again, you just get sized up one side and down the other. And so, therefore, people begin to ask the question, I wonder what's happening with the money. Well, you know, when it comes to your tithe, the Bible says that the tithe belongs to God, right? So, if you are in a place that is called home for you, then you're just going to have to trust God that God puts you in a place where you can trust leadership, right? And therefore, if you also identify that your tithe is not your money, your tithe belongs to God and as long as you do your part in the giving or the bringing to the local church or the house your blessing and increase and the 
answer to the lack in your life, El Shaddai shows up in your house because you brought it to the house. Right? And how it's spent or dispersed, you just have to trust it. But once again, as long as you do your part, it really don't matter. Leadership could be as corrupt as can be. As long as your heart was in the right place, God, El Shaddai, shows up in your house in spite of it. Hello? Now, furthermore, let me just paint another scenario, if you will. If the tithe belongs to God and you're bringing what is His to the house, you can wash your hands, right? Now, let me ask you the question. When you go to McDonald's and you give them the, what is it, like $25 now for a Happy Meal? It's like outrageous, isn't it? $8.99 for your meal deal, whatever it is. They hand you the meal deal and you give them the revenue. When you give them the revenue, the fact that you have a product in your hand, is that money yours anymore? No, because you gave it to them. You have in your possession what you purpose to receive. Right? How many of you ever stopped by the local McDonald's and asked the question, hey, how are you spending that money? Are you handling it rightly? Chances are they're getting fat and happy and going to Tahiti on your money, right? Right? Simply because once it's in their hand, it's no concern of yours. You have what you came to get. There was an exchange that was made, right? Well, when you come to the house of the Lord, what are you doing? You're saying, I've come with an exchange. I've come to hear the gospel. I've come to grow and mature. That's what I've come to receive. As long as you give me that, come on. I want you to just do what you need to because we got to build the kingdom of God here. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? Once again, when it comes to the local church and it comes to our finances, we think that the Money is ours, but really it's God's. And if you'll see it correctly, you'll lose the ownership of it. Amen? And notice what it says. Great grace was upon them and they lacked nothing because they brought their generous gifts with no strings attached. Amen? Now let me take it a little step further. It says that great grace was upon them all. Not just the preachers, the whole congregation of the house, right? So they laid it at the feet of the apostles or said, ministers, we're bringing it to the house. We trust you. And it says that the apostles or the ministers preached the word boldly. So what that tells me is that if we'll bring our gifts to the local church with the right heart, it will affect how I hear the preaching of the word. And the preaching of the word will cause me to grow and mature because my giving created an avenue for the minister to speak in my life because he preaches the word. And because of my generosity, great grace was upon him to deliver the word, and I received it. Amen. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying today? Great grace was upon them. So that would also change your expectation, wouldn't it? 
Man, I'm a giver. I'm a tither. So, man, I've come to receive this morning. There is a word from heaven that I'm coming to receive from that ministry gift. Is that ministry gift perfect? No. In fact, let me ask you this. Is your house perfect? Do you think that the house of God should be perfect? No. The house of God, until we get to heaven, it will never be perfect. God uses imperfect people to do the work of the ministry. Are you doing all right this morning? So God is using our generosity to increase and build the church of God, to build his house. It says, and with great, uh, gr- with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection and great grace was upon them all. One way to experience the grace in your life is to allow the ministry gifts to speak into your life. Why is it important to be generous in our giving? We have guest ministers that are coming up in November, November 13th. They are going to be a major blessing to you as a people. So why do you want to be generous? Because they have great grace upon them. And you'll partake of that great grace if you'll say, God, I want to be generous because they have something that I need. And what happens? That grace comes upon you. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. You doing all right this morning? We're talking about building the house, having a heart for the house. In fact, just this came to my mind. What's this coming Wednesday? Anybody know? First Wednesday, just in the event that you missed the announcement today, first Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me read that again. For where your heart is, no, that's not what it said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your heart is for the house, the house of God... The place that God has called home for you, where's your treasure going to be? (laughs) If you have a heart for the house where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Therefore, again, if you truly have a heart to see God grow, to build the kingdom of God, you'll be a giver or be generous to the kingdom of God, Right? And once again, I believe so many individuals say, you know what? I'm just fearful. I'm afraid that I'll experience lack in my life. And so I'm just holding back. Listen, you realize that's what the enemy wants you to think? You're a part of a church that preaches much different than a lot of other churches out there. You're a part of a church that worships God a lot different than other people. What do I mean by that? Simply, we're just going after God with reckless abandonment. We're not going to be conformed to religion. We're pursuing the living God. There's a target on a church like this. Amen. I was talking with somebody just recently that started attending our church. One of the things that he said to me, he said, you know, I'm, we, we've always been a giver. He said, but you know, I've noticed that my giving wasn't working for me the way that I know that it should. He said, so when we got here to this church, he says, ah, this is the place. He said, because I know that when I give, God increases my giving, and therefore I know that God put me in the right place, so I'm expecting my money to work for me better than it ever did before because I'm in the right place. Amen. Amen. God wants us to increase because we have a heart for the house, and he has a heart for our house. 
once again, you'll hear individuals say this. Well, I would give if I could. I, 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 I'd give if I could. What's that simply mean? I'm fearful to experience lack. I'm fearful that I will lack something or that I'll go without or that I might feel a hardship. Do you believe that the Bible is true? Did you see that when great grace was upon them and they were generous, it says that none of them lacked anything. So what does that mean? Grace is available, but it's going to require an action of faith. It's just going to require you to trust God. God, I trust your word. I trust that you're going to honor your word. Amen? Now, let me just share this with you just real quickly. I, was, I met with a friend of mine just this past week, and we started talking. He's a Christian man, and he's, he's just a good Christian fella. And we started talking about this guy that we went to school with. And for the sake of giving him a name, his name is Steve. We'll just call it, leave it at that. And as we're talking about Steve, he said, I've, I've tried to share Jesus with Steve. And I know that Steve has asked Jesus into his heart. And I said, well, is he going to church? He says, well, no, he's just got a hang up when it comes to going to church. And then as we were talking about Steve, he says to me, he said, Steve is probably the wealthiest man in the town that we grew up in. And I said, Really? He said, yeah, everything that he puts his hand to turns to gold. He said, in fact, he just called me the other day. He, just, he was saying, hey, I, I, I got a question for you. He said, I'm, I'm getting ready to buy this new boat for my house down in Florida. He said, it cost $500,000. He said, I just wanted to know what you think. And he said, well, I don't have an answer for it. I said, you know, you just need to talk to God about that. And I said, well... Uh, how much does he make? He says he makes over a million dollars a year. So here's a man that makes over a million dollars a year, has a home in Florida that he once occasionally will uh, visit, and he's wanting to buy a $500,000 boat that will sit down in Florida for the occasion that he happens to go down there and hang out for a weekend. Right? And so I asked him the question. I said, well, do you think that he might have a little bit of a challenge with the church because of all the money or wealth that he has? He says, well, you know what? That's a, a good question. He said, because I've asked him about some things before, and he said to me, his response is, well, I've made that money. I've worked hard for that money. I've worked day and night, seven days a week to make that kind of money. And so isn't it interesting that you have a man of great wealth that says he has a heart for God, but has a hang-up with letting it go. Let me ask you the question. If there was a man that showed up that was a millionaire and was a faithful tither, which is 10% of your increase, that's a, a, over $100,000 coming in to the budget of the church. What would that do to Genesee Valley Church? Oh my goodness, we could hire two full-time people. I could hire a full-time children's minister that could be here full-time, get into the schools, bridge a gap with families, love on kids, build relationships with the school districts. Man, we could have a young, thriving ministry because of the ability to hire ministry gifts to get out into the marketplace in the world. Amen. 
What does revenue do? It expands the kingdom of God. What if we had 10 of those millionaires? Man, the budget of the church just with those 10 went up to a million dollars. What could the church do? Oh, wait a minute now. Wait, wait, just a minute. You know, if the church is making that kind of money, then more than likely that pastor is starting to get more money. Driving better cars, bigger houses. Listen, do you realize that there is a church board that accounts for every penny that is spent? So therefore, money can't just be spent frivolously. There has to be an account for it. And there's a board that sets a budget and a salary. So there's always checks and balances. My point is this. If the church could increase and expand, and if we could learn to be generous in our thinking, the lack would be removed, the limitations would be gone, and we could grow the kingdom of God. Amen. Simply because God says great grace would come upon us, and there would be no lack. Come on, somebody. I would lose the fear of not having enough. Now, listen to what I'm saying to you right now. Listen to this. I'm coming to an end, okay? You all doing good. We're landing the plane. Might taxi back off again, but we're going to try to land it right now. All right. <laughs> I said that and I forgot what I was going to say. What was I going to say now? Let me circle the plane back around and I'll get there. Amen. If there was increase in the church, what could the ministry do? If there was more than enough, what could the church do? Here's the point that I was trying to make. When it comes to our giving, the Bible says this over in the book of Malachi. It says that God has called us to be tithers. That's 10% of our increase. So it's across the board fair. So whether you make a million dollars, 10%. Whether you make $100, 10%. It's fair for everybody. God don't look at you and say, well, you make more money, so it's going to cost you more. No, he says 10%. But when I step back and lose the opportunity of experiencing grace that will empower me to be generous, what happens? I come under a curse. In Malachi, it says this. I'm stealing my wife's notes. She was telling me this the other day. So she was probably going to preach this. I'm going to steal it because it was that good. All right? God says when we choose not to be tithers, we come under a curse. God don't put you there. Your actions subject yourself to the curse. What is the curse? The curse is the spirit of poverty. You just heard of a man that is a multi-millionaire, but still lives with a poverty mentality. Are you getting what I'm saying? You might say, my bills are paid. I have a nice house. I drive new cars. But if you refuse to allow the grace to empower you to be generous, you are living under the curse of poverty. Why? Because you choose not to trust God. God said, you will not lack. Why don't I choose to give? Because I'm fearful that I'll lack. I surrender to the curse of poverty. Stand with me, if you will. There's a story in the Bible 
of a prophet. And God says, I'm going to send you to a woman's house. I live in that house. And she's going to take care of you. There's been a great drought, a great famine. And when you get there, she's going to minister to your needs. He goes to that city and finds the woman. And he says, what's going on in your life? And she says, well, I just have enough flour and enough oil to make a cake. And then my son and I, were going to eat it and then we're going to die. He said, well, God told me to come and you're going to provide a meal for me. Most of us would say, oh, you're on a fixed income? That's okay. You don't have to be a giver. What do we do? We cut the grace off. He said to her, I know that's all you have, but make me a cake first. She did, and he ate it. And the Bible said that her flour and oil never ran dry. In the midst of a famine, she gave with a generous heart out of her house into the house of God. And the grace empowered her to never experience lack in the midst of a three-year famine. If you believe that the Bible is true, I want to encourage you Will you just allow God to visit your home? Will you allow God to build your house so that you can build His? Will you dare to believe that He is the God who He says He is and that lack cannot and will not visit your home if you'll trust His Word and be a giver? Amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that this message is never a message to try to get people to give more money. It's simply expressing your heart to bring increase to the house of God. So that lack never touches this church. So that lack never touches our home. So God will just choose to rest in the grace and step out in faith and trust you. And we thank you in advance, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said, Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.